0: Hey guys, it's Megan here. Um, I hope that my voice isn't too crazy right now. I'm just coming into a cold. So yay for that. Um, Over the next couple of weeks, I was supposed to record episodes, but I am feeling just really poopy. So we are going to replay some of my all-time favorites until I'm able to get back on my feet and until we are done with the move. Oh my God, you guys, this is happening right now. So over the next couple of weeks, enjoy some of my favorite Stop Sucking at Business episodes. I'll talk to you again soon. It's time to grow your business, stop spinning your wheels, and build the life you deserve. And I'm here to help. My name is Megan Brain. This is Stop Sucking at Business. Guys, welcome to the podcast. My name is Megan Bream. I'm an award-winning entrepreneur. I am here to help you succeed in your small business. So, thank you so much for joining me. I am always just really excited to record these. And that sounds kind of Miss America E or something like that, but it's true. Like this is just really cool for me. And the fact that you're listening to this, dude, that's amazing balls. Thank you so much. Today's interview is really cool, but first I want to talk, you know, do a couple of house cleaning stuff and let you know that you should definitely get on my mailing list because I've got an amazing thing happening soon. Side note, I've got to stop whispering because I've noticed that it kind of like, it doesn't exist unless I put the volume up really high. So I've got to stop doing that. Anyways. Get on my mailing list because I've got this incredible thing coming up and I've been working on it for a few months. I can't fully talk about it yet because it's not fully fleshed out yet, but it's going to be happening. It's going to be a mastermind membership group. Oh my God, wait for the dance party that's about to happen. I've been recording special episodes just for this. I've got this plan of all the different things it's going to include. Oh, my God. It's like, it's amazing, and I can't wait to release it. But the people on the mailing list are going to get first dibs because I'm only going to allow, since it's a mastermind, I'm only going to allow a certain number of people in per, I don't know, per year probably. So, FYI. Anyways, back to today's interview. Now, today's interview is with a really cool guy. I had so much fun talking to him, Jesse Richardson of CrateJoy. If you've never heard of CrateJoy, they are basically like a subscription box conglomerate. They have a marketplace full of subscription boxes so you can just go crazy with your visa. Or if you want to start your own subscription box, if that's been something you've been thinking of for a while or something you're just like wait, Megan, what are you saying? Here's what I'm saying. There are two ways to use a subscription box service. One is to be the curator where you are pulling in different products from different people, different companies, and putting them into a weekly, monthly, yearly box and sending them out like a birch box or we talk about a different couple boxes. Or, and this is what I kind of love about it, if you have... I was going to say if you have a consumable, but I guess it's not even true anymore. You know, there are, like, sock boxes and tie boxes and stuff like that. So if you have a product that you can offer in a subscription box, I was thinking originally, like, refills, so, you know, like, a couple bars of soaps, subscription service or something like that, but that's not even true. Like, even if you have T-shirts or clothes, if you have – a fan base that would be into it, this would be an amazing way to supplement your business and create a little bit more passive income. It's not totally passive because you know, you'll have to be the curator and put it all together. But I think it's a really cool way to start a business or to supplement a business. And you can even do a hybrid version. Like I would do a couple bars of soap. Uh, I don't know, Let's say every month I would do three bars of soap and then something else from another vendor that I just thought was really cool just, you know, to give a little exclusivity or something like that. And I think that would be a really cool idea. So that's why I brought Jesse on because I wanted to talk about all the different ins and outs. And if you're thinking about starting a subscription service, even if you have zero fans, this is so cool. This is just a really cool way to do it. And he goes through all the ins and outs and gives you some feedback on his own boxes and all of the things that he's done to achieve success and it's just cool. He's a really cool guy. Please check him out. Check out his subscription box and give him a shout out because I'm sure he would love to hear from you guys. But without further ado, here's my talk with Jesse Richardson of Crate Joy. Jesse, thank you so much for joining me. I am super pumped about this. Thanks, Megan. So, can you give me just a quick background about um, Crate Joy and how you got involved in Crate Joy?
1: Sure. So CrateJoy is a software company, and, and they provide a platform to build any type of subscription business. Um, I got involved with CrateJoy about a year and a half ago. I've been working with subscription commerce businesses for about the last six years. Um, and I had a buddy who I worked with in a couple different startups who uh, came over to CrateJoy to help them grow their marketplace and help them educate their merchants and become better subscription commerce business owners. And uh, because him and I worked together in the past They reached out to me and I started working with them, focusing on education and getting their merchants better at kind of navigating the subscription commerce space.
0: I love that. And do most of the subscription people that work with Cratejoy are they just like the standalone or are people adding this as like a side gig to
1: their normal business? Sure. Um, It seems... uh... I should probably have some data in front of me with that, but, um,
0: most people. <laughs> that, that's a uh, whole thing. No, don't worry
1: about it. Yeah. You know, most people, um, I think a lot of people right now on the Creature platform, it's the one business that they're working on. Okay. Um, we do have some people who are supplementing this with an existing e-commerce business or an existing, um, maybe product line that they've developed themselves. So kind of a mix between those people who are making their own products and people who are just doing e-commerce or online sales to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, But given the nature of the Cratejoy platform, it's it's really easy to create a kind of a whole new business using Cratejoy. So I think the majority of our of our merchants, um, it's their one the one business that they're focusing on.
0: I love it. I was kind of stalking through Cratejoy a little bit, just kind of seeing the ins and outs. And I love that there are so many different fields just kicking it. Like you know, there's beauty, and then there's dude stuff, and then there's like (laughs) there's like anything you can think of. There's a subscription box now, and I, I just think that's so cool.
1: Yeah, it's been, it's been really interesting to observe it. I mean, I've been, I started working on subscription boxes, um, in, back in 2010. Oh, and wow. it, was, it was, it was still very new at the point. There was definitely a handful of boxes around, uh, that early. And, um, the first business that I was working on was a, a natural product subscription where people discovered new natural products that they could, get, they could try before they buy. And I was, was always so curious about the different types of, um, you know, markets that would pop up for subscription boxes. And I remember one of the very earliest, uh, boxes that, um, myself and my, some of the people I worked with were, were so, uh, were so curious about was these gamer boxes. And we, we, we helped a group of guys kind of launch this, this gamer box. And we were so curious if it was going to be super successful because we didn't know if it was going to work with this type of model with this type of audience. And that box today is Loot Crate and they're one of the biggest subscription businesses. And it was just so far. And away from what we were doing, um, that it really proved to me in my mind that the, the verticals that you can do in this type of business model, it's almost endless. Um, it can be those dude boxes. It can be, you know, the, uh, the healthy food boxes. It can be the paleo food boxes. It can be. You know, dog boxes. It can be just about anything. It could be neckties.
0: Um, it can be anything. Yeah. It could be
1: neckties. I'm surprised with how many sock subscriptions exist. I,
0: know. <laughs> I but, never, uh, I never knew I had to have fun socks until I started seeing these things. I was like, maybe I just need to start doing subscription boxes of socks. <laughs> exactly. Later.
1: And I personally was like, who'd order that? And then I got some boxes, and now I have the socks <laughs> from my house. Over me.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. And Loot Crate is such a great example of you know. I, you know, my background was beauty and skincare. And so I was definitely, you know, we go offline and kind of talk about what box you were talking about, but I oh. probably was part of that box and it was such a good model on my end to, you know, basically get asses in the seats, right. And show people, um, how that my brand existed and that it gave them an option. And so I love that. It's not mm-hmm. just for food or skincare or things like that. Like it can be for stationary.
1: It could be for... Yeah. No, it can, it can be literally for, for anything. If there's... One of the kind of going lines we have at Crayjoy is if if you can find an online community about your about your niche mm-hmm. and you have a, a group of people that you can identify pretty quickly, you can probably build a subscription business around that.
0: that so going... Uh, that's a good point, actually. So how would you if somebody's like they want to either supplement their business or they want to just do the subscription box, just this is their full time. This is, this is how they're going to make money. How would you recommend that they start looking into this? Like uh, what is the first step into finding this kind of community that um, would work for that?
1: Yeah, I think it, I think it really kind of depends on, on that, the the nuance of how you start. So, you know, for example, um, if you're someone who makes your own products um, you know, chances are you've probably got some groundwork down. You've got some branding down that you've already been working on. You've probably, you've probably got a community that already established. Even if you don't, um, the way that you would go about starting one of these businesses might be a little bit different than if you just have a, uh, have a big passion for maybe vegan items, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, I would say kind of the first step is to really determine, you know, you know, do you want to curate an experience and using other people's products or do you want to, um, have something more like a replenishment experience for people where you're sending them kind of your consistent items each month. Oh, so interesting. Kind of, the first thing that's kind of to determine is what, what experience do you want to give customers? Um, you know, like I said, do you want it to be something that based in discovery or replenishment? And you can, of course, you know, it's not always just so cut and dry. You can have a little mix of both. Um, but, once you kind of determine what the nature of your subscription business kind of fundamentally is, um, you know, the really the next step that I like to suggest to do is to put up a landing page um, using something like you know a LaunchRock or an Instapage or something like that. Identify these communities online, and then do your best to kind of get some marketing chops down. You know, start pushing traffic to a landing page. Look at your conversion rate and look at how well your audience is actually responding to your idea, and see if it's actually a good product market fit. The nice thing about these businesses is that once they turn on, um, I wouldn't call it passive income, (laughs) but (laughs) it's definitely going to do a lot of work, but it's a nice automatic, you know, the recurring revenue of a subscription business. Um, it's really hardy. I mean, it's, it's a really, it adds, it's a huge stabilizing factor. And from both, um, you know, working with people who have done e-commerce businesses in the past and also people who have made their own products for a long time, what I've seen across the board is people who start a subscription business. Um, they always say, wow, this has added so much stability to my business model. Um, so once you've determined those things and you know, what, what niche you're going to be going for and, and how you're going to be approaching the, the business itself to, for me, it's really about lean test of that idea before you launch. Cause once you turn that thing on, it's, it's a lot harder to turn it off. Sure. Um, but the benefit is, the benefit is pretty big at that point.
0: So can you expand? How would you lean test?
1: So the way that I would lean test is, um, like I said, is mainly to use a, a landing page. and okay. so. Um, you know, you you put up a landing page. Maybe it's, you know, join um you know dot dot com and you're just pushing your social media traffic traffic to that page if you've got a newsletter maybe you're announcing on that newsletter maybe you've got some some blogger or some social social influencers you've you've partnered with before or maybe they're brand new and you reach out to them and say hey i've got this great idea for our market you know i've got this great new vegan subscription for our vegan community let's introduce it to them um, and then once those people hit that page that's when you're doing the testing are people responding to your branding to your name, to your messaging, um, and you know, to put that page up and to get the domain, you know, we're talking maybe you know a couple hundred dollars at very, very, very most, um, maybe just a hundred dollars or so. And so, this does two things for you really um, in the lean test. Number one, it, it it lets you test how savvy you've been with creating and marketing your product to your target market or what you perceive to be your target market, um, and then. Number two, it gives you a really strong marketable asset. You know, you you end up with basically a newsletter of people um, that are all very interested in specifically what, what it is that you're selling, this subscription experience. Um and so by doing that, it's it's a lot easier, for example, to do something um like a landing page with a subscription business than it is to you know test something with a brick and mortar store, or even have to develop an e-commerce site. So um relative to other types of business models and other, other ways to go about selling things. Um, I find that that process with subscription businesses is is a very lean and a very quick way to to determine if your business idea is going to be pretty viable.
0: For that phase of the business where you're just doing the landing page and you're kind of making sure it's a viable product, uh, let's say that you don't have a newsletter, you're just kind of starting that you know, you've been a, a vegan enthusiast or you've been a vegan for a really long time and now you want to do a curated vegan box, but you've never done any kind of business for this or newsletter or anything like that. Um, do you notice any kind of trends like do... Facebook ads really work well for this or do you think that's kind of putting the cart before the horse?
1: Um, I mean, personally, I like to, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pretty lean guy and I don't yeah. necessarily mean my body type, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I always, so I get this question a lot with the business owners that we work with. They're like, Hey, should I spend money on, on Facebook ads? And I always like to tell them don't spend any money at all. Try not to spend Cause the fact of the matter is, you know, the you know the rapid democratization of celebrity through social media is also good for you. Yeah. You can get a large following just by being you and posting interesting content. So rather than trying to really pay for anything, what I suggest is um, having a really strong social media strategy. Something that you know where you're you know you're interacting with people on Instagram, on Twitter, um, you're inviting people to your Facebook page, you're pinning things on Pinterest. Um, if you're, if you're good at Periscope, you know, you're doing live videos. If you're, if you're good at Snapchat, you're Snapchatting things because, you know, really you only need a few thousand data points to really determine if your conversion rate is good. And by data points, I just mean visitors. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, over a 30 day period or so, um, that should be That should give you enough time to to test those things out, um, without having to spend any real money for newsletter placements or anything like that. And, And, and I think, I found that is, that's true in practice and, and more than just kind of me preaching in that way, because I just, I just launched a business about a year ago. Um, I've traditionally done these types of businesses all, you know, with a team of people and about a, about 13 months ago, I wanted to try to launch a subscription business completely on my own. Um not using any assets that I've had, not using any money. Um, and I launched a, a, a business that's kind of focused on artisan small batch goods. And, um, you know, I, I, did a strong social media push for about 60 days, ended up with about 700 emails or so. Um, wow. Wasn't a huge, huge launch necessarily, but it, it allowed me to launch a business with about 150 customers that I was then able to kind of snowball that in. And so even if you don't launch with you know 10,000 emails, and some people who launch subscription businesses, they do launch with 10,000 emails and they have a big business. Even if you don't launch with that many, it's still very possible to get 50, 100, 200 subscribers your first month and have a business that has enough has enough cash flow to give yourself some money and even start to pay for advertising at that point.
0: So, two questions. First, what is your box called?
1: It's called Prosperly, and so it's like the word prosper, um, but it has a U in it. So it's P-R-O-S-P-U-R-L-Y. It's a little yeah. bit of fu- a funky word.
0: <laughs> I love it. We'll link to it in the show notes so everybody can get a hold of it too. So, awesome. um, w- what would be? And I know this is hard, a really hard question to answer. So forgive me. Um, you can be as vague as you want with it, but okay. what, um, what would you say would be good benchmarks to say like, yes, okay, this is a viable service. I should follow through with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think this is a really good question. And so, you know, when, when I look at what landing pages tell you is a good conversion rate. So for example, um, you know, I think launch rock says, Hey, if you're getting seven to 10 uh, you know, percent conversion on your landing page, you're doing well. Um, and I think that's kind of true across, you know, Instapage and Unbounce. They all kind of have this kind of, you know, this high, high, high single digits, um, you know, maybe, maybe low teams is a, is a good conversion rate for me. Um, you know, I think that you should be looking for 15% or higher of a conversion rate. And the reason why is because, you know, that's obviously not the true conversion rate. What you want to have is high. You want to have a high converting page because you've got to get those people to convert again. And so if you get a thousand people to your page, and they converted, you know, 20% and you get 200 emails. You've got to, you've got to put that through a whole nother filter. You know, that's going to be maybe a five to 10 conversion rate actual to actual customers. So really at that point, you know, you're only looking at 10 to 20 customers with that 200 emails. So, um, the benchmark I like to, to have people kind of try to shoot for is, you know, shoot for five to 10,000 visitors and shoot for a conversion rate of 15 to 20%. Um, with the business I launched last year it had a conversion rate of about 22% on the page. Um, I've seen people that have had between 13 and you know that that 22% and been really successful with the launch. I mean, if you're getting 10%, I think you're doing a good job, um, but you might not be hitting the right audience um, because across the board, I usually see subscription businesses get a little bit higher than that. So shoot for 15% and shoot for you know maybe 1,000 email addresses at least.
0: And I think that that's also a good point to have a higher conversion because this isn't just a one-off product. You know, this is a recurring business model that you need to have. And so, you know, just having people come and buy one soap versus yeah, a, you want to have people a a that are invested.
1: And, you know, you want to right. you want to get the right audience because what what makes subscription businesses interesting, not just as a business owner, but to venture capital and to um, you know when you're thinking about scaling. It's, you want to have people that have, you know, a, a long lifetime and have a high lifetime value. So you want to be definitely sure that you're targeting the right people from the start, which is another reason why the lean testing early on with the landing pages is, is a really great, um, strategy to launch these, launch these businesses because that gives the opportunity that maybe one week you're focusing on this community in Reddit or on Reddit and this other week you're focusing, um, on this other community um, in Facebook groups, you know, and that this other week you're focusing on this other community and it kind of gives you the opportunity to pin some different audiences and see which ones are converting higher. So when you actually launch your subscription, you know that you're going to be chasing down the people that are going to have the highest LTV and that's what's going to give you the best cash flow for your business.
0: I love that. And it's so, like you said, it's not spendy. It's, it's time investment, but it's so worth it because you are definitely saying like, I am going to niche this down so that I find this like loyal tribe of people that are just crazy about this kind of product.
1: Yeah, yeah, and especially with the first month, what I yeah. to, what I like to call it is the founding marketing army, is like the founder army because <laughs> these people um,
0: the army of I darkness.
1: Have- Yeah, I mean the 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 percent of the the amount of churn you get in your first couple months, and churn being the rate of cancellations, Mm. um, the amount of churn you get in your first couple months is always significantly lower than the churn you get a year, two, three, four years down the road. Really, because those people who first launch with your business, they feel like they they're part of a club, you know, because they are part of this month, you know, this thing of the month club. And they feel like they're this founding, you know, member who's been there since the start. And you can really cultivate this really cool sense of ownership in your community that, you know, that, you know, then goes and translates to higher LTV, more revenue, happier customers, more referrals, and that type of thing.
0: I love that. So I want to start a subscription box. And where do I, how do I even get this started? Like, what do what are the kind of costs I need to think about? What are the uh, other than like the lean um, landing pages and things like that? What are the other things that I should be considering?
1: Yeah, um, you know the, the the things that you should have definitely top of mind um, is obviously you know your domain. That's just kind of a just, that's kind of a throwaway. I think everybody probably knows that listening to this podcast. But outside of your domain, um, you know what you what you really need for this type of business it isn't really a lot. But there are a few critical pieces. Um, you know, number one, I really suggest um, focusing early on a good customer service platform. And it kind of sounds, you know, maybe somewhat intuitive, but kind of something potentially a secondary task. I really encourage people to do it early on and, and build out macros and, and filters and views using something like Zendesk. Because the other thing you have to realize when you're launching this specific type of business is you're getting people who are committing to a, maybe a, a monthly or a multi-month commitment um, mm-hmm. and you're going to want to treat those customers with the same amount of um, commitment that they're giving you. So you want to make sure that you've got really, really strong same day customer service and those solutions, something like Zendesk isn't really expensive. I think it's like, you know, 20 bucks a month or something. Right. Um, so I suggest, you know, adding that in top, top level into your, into your sheets um, outside of that, you know, finding a good platform like Crayjoy to use um, uh, i also suggest obviously you've got to have email marketing down. You've got to use something like MailChimp or, you know, Intercom or something like that. And you've got to be when you're gathering these emails during your lean testing uh, stage and even, you know, going month to month, you know, email marketing is one of the most powerful things that you can be doing. And this is, that's also kind of maybe a throwaway for some of your audience. I mean, that should be pretty obvious to people now in 2016. Um, <laughs> um, outside of those kind of normal, just, E commerce business or just online business essentials. That's kind of how I see those kind of platforms. So, those are just, you know, online business essentials. The only other thing you've really got to be thinking about with the subscription business is custom packaging. Mm -hmm. So, custom packaging being being a custom shipping box that your products go in. A lot of people will just use, you know, a USPS first class mailer box or something like that or priority mailbox. Um, Some people just use plain brown boxes with maybe stamps or stickers. That's totally cool. Um, I personally, um, the reason why I emphasize that, that startup phase so much with gathering emails is because if you do that, right, you can generate, generate enough revenue month one to, to pay for custom boxes. And for me, um, I obsess over product quality. I mean, I like, you know, try every product before I put it in the box. I'm like, you know, scooping out the apple jelly and, you know, eating it by the spoonful <laughs> before I even put that, it in
0: That sounds box. pretty rough. Sorry, Jesse. Thanks for uh, taking one for the team on that one.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but, I mean, and I think that also translates to the packaging. You know, I mean, I want to see, a, you know, an orange box sticking out of my mailbox with these cool sunflower designs all the way from across, you know, my porch. And I want to feel excited about that. And, and I, and I want to feel excited about that because I want to feel like my customers are going to be excited about that. And so custom packaging is something that you don't need to do. Um, you know, but there's a big asterisk on that. And I think that, that need is kind of nuanced by, um, you can by 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 using custom packaging. You can create a greater perception of need on your customers' part because they're so excited to see it. It becomes this iconic thing that is sticks out. I mean, look uh, at
0: look at Tiffany's boxes, right? They're just that exactly. that blue. Everybody knows Tiffany's boxes,
1: right? Yeah, I mean, you look at you look at Tiffany's boxes, or even you know when you order something off of Amazon and you yeah. see that little smile box, and you're like, oh my gosh, I just got my, you know, the the, the drone just dropped off my new, you know my new set of encyclopedias or whatever it is you like to order on Amazon. or
0: yeah. Or if you're like me, you're like, what did I order? I don't remember, but I'm excited
1: to get it. I, in that case. It might be a little bit of dread. When right. you're like,
0: oh, <laughs> I love that. Well, uh, and I'm not sure if you've, um, if you feel the same way. So, you know, I, I'm definitely interested in a counterpoint to this, but just coming from the other side of this, where, um, I was a vendor that was providing, uh, products or samples or whatever one startup cost that I think that a lot of people think they can skimp on. And in my experience, it wasn't the best way to go was to think you could get product for free. Oh Um, yes. Yeah. Like I know that that seems really like, Oh, I can just, you know, it'll be marketing for them. And so the vendors will want to give you product and Mm -hmm. keep in mind that it's not like if you ask for free, you're going to get what they can give you for free. You know what I mean? So
1: when I, Go ahead. That's exactly right. I mean, with with the first oh, yeah, business I that, that I, I started, box. it was called Conscious Box. Yeah, so uh, I started that company with with two friends of mine, mm-hmm. and that was all based on the free sample model. And so, you know, it was a very low cost box, and we were getting free natural products from our partners, and then we were putting in the hands of people who wanted to buy those products. Right? It was that marketing pitch um, early on, especially you know, back the in Wild the, West of back in 2010 boxes. and 2011. It feels like so long ago. Yeah, it, that was so much more compelling of a pitch back then um, to to people like you, to people who were who were who were doing that, because it was still a, a fairly new business model. You know, the subscription box thing was it was so fresh that it seemed like um, it right. seemed like it was a you know it was good to test. You know, why you know as, as a product provider, you'd want to just try it out since you're already doing sampling at Whole Foods or whatever. Um, when we when we took that business to scale um, to you know tens of thousands of subscribers. It was extraordinarily difficult to uh, source free samples and have one box a month, and we didn't have one box a month. We had you know vegan, gluten free, and regular, wow. and then wow. we had ten variations of each one of those because wow. the business model was premised on a free free sample model. And what that does to you as a as a business owner is two things. Number one, you are you know you're hustling all the time to make sure that your partners feel like they got ROI. And that's really, really important because mm-hmm. you want to maintain good relationships with your partners. Um, number two, it means that you're also having to, as you scale, you have you know um, exponentially more partners you have to reach out to because there just aren't very many companies um, that can provide fifty thousand free samples. You know, and if if you have um, three different types of boxes and you are trying to get free samples for all one of all of them, or even if you just have one type of box and you have fifty thousand subscribers, you might have to work with. Fifty different companies who can only provide you a thousand samples, um, and, and so it's, it's just as, it's, it's very difficult to operate on that model. Um, and uh, I think that n- nowadays, what I try to encourage people to do is is build in purchasing into their model. If you can get free items, you know, go ahead and do it. You know, obviously, you know, if you can boost your margin, <laughs> you know, <laughs> boost your margin. But to, to, to premise your business on getting free items, I think is, is very dangerous um, not just because you don't you didn't know how you then, then you don't have any margin to work with and if anything changes in the future and I mean ask anybody in business, things will change in the future. Um, but uh, then uh, you know it's it's just it's it's a whole different experience too. I mean with with Prosperly, for example, the one I'm currently working on, I build in a big margin to buy items and it's partially because, Number one, it's a lot easier to do sourcing. I mean, sourcing time for when you're buying items, it goes from a hundred hour a month job with free samples to a ten hour a month job when you're purchasing things. Um, and but also because I mean, you know, I look at my partners and I want to give them a good ROI. You know, I want to cover their cost and give them some 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 more margin on top of that, so they feel like it's a good purchase for them. It's a good deal for them. Um, and because a lot of the people I work with are small business owners, you know, Etsy people, you know, people who might be doing this out of their house or have a very small workshop, um, you know, I I understand that they make some of the best products in the world and I want to make it so they can actually access this marketing channel, but they can't do that if you're asking it for them for free. And so, you know, with with pricing of a subscription box and building out your supply chain, I think it's really important nowadays, especially to um, look at free sampling um, or, you know, getting free items, even if they're full size items. Looking at that as a nice supplement, yeah, but not something that you base your business model on.
0: Usually, and for people that are like, "Oh my god, there's no way I can afford anything." Like, usually when you buy in bulk from these companies, they're usually willing to give you a discount, and that's always something that can be negotiated. But um, don't go into it thinking like, I, "There's no way I could do this because I need two hundred fifty-dollar products." Like, no, you need you need fifty, you need two hundred products that retail for yeah. fifty, but since you're buying two hundred, you can usually finagle something with the business owners. Yeah,
1: I, I usually, you know, shoot for what I what I usually see as a pretty realistic for my month to month product sourcing. just so you know you, you guys can kind of understand what, what you maybe want to shoot as a goal. For every dollar I spend on product, I usually get about four dollars of value. So, yeah. so it's like, you know, I'm, you know, people get about $8 of value each month in, in Prosperly, and that I usually spend about $20 for all those products. That's even a little bit high because, of, because of the audience that I'm sourcing from. Um, like I said, I'm using a lot of small artists and crafters who just don't have the means. I'll, it's funny. A lot of the people I work with, I'll place an order for, you know, 300, 400 un, units of something and they'll, they'll have to be like, well, we've never done something at this scale before. And so I'll help them find new ingredients to source. <laughs> or like that. So it's a little bit different with with the people I'm sourcing from. I think they're they're not as as you know, some aren't as experienced as you might have with maybe something like uh, cosmetic lines that are already right. being formulated and developed through something else. Um, but I think that's I think that's a good kind of goal to shoot for. Is you know for for every dollar you spend, you should be getting a couple more dollars in 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 uh, retail value.
0: Yeah, I agree. So about 75 to 80% off of retail is usually what you should shoot for.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, traditionally, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, so retail is maybe $10. And, you know, wholesale is usually 50% of that. So that'd be fine. Mm-hmm. And then cost is somewhere usually about half of wholesale. Um, so you can kind of like figure it out that, that you know, varies widely for different products. But generally, that's, that's kind of how um, you should you should think about it. And so, you, you know, you want to, um, you want to get the best margins you can from your partners. And I mean, the whole marketing pitch of subscription boxes is very real. I've, I've worked with one partner three times with this current business and every time she features something in the box, she gets dozens of orders on her Etsy shop. She just did this like ancient bath milk in our February box. And she texted me and she said, Hey, do you need some products this month? Because <laughs> I have been getting tons of sales from this. And so, I mean, the marketing pitch is a real one. Um, and, you know, if you are a business owner and you've been thinking about this, what I would suggest to you is think about, think about building in mechanisms to, to track ROI for your partners. Let them put coupons in the box. Um, you know, shout, shout them out in your newsletter, you know, push them traffic. Um, you know, make it very clear to them that you're giving them a, a, um, an actually a, 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 a substantial marketing package and, and, you know, incentivize them to, to bring down their costs to you as close to their own costs as possible. Um, but realize that in exchange for that they're going to want to see ROI and so you're going to want to build in those mechanisms that actually prove that ROI to them.
0: And that makes an excellent point that your your end goal for this should be to have recurring vendors and recurring relationships not because you're offering the same things over and over again but because you're proving that you have a sustainable model so they're going to ref- they're, you know that's going mm-hmm. to be your best word of mouth for sourcing new product it is these vendors that are like I made tons of sales on this
1: yeah, no. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as a subscription business owner, you really have to realize that you have two sets of customers. You have you have consumers and then you have your vendor partners. And those vendor partners, they are much more like customers than they are like sources of supply. You know, they, it's not this kind of, you know, thing that you order a bunch of products from and you don't really think about it, you know, whereas they might view that, you know, if, if they're doing some type of herb or spice or something like that, maybe they order from a company like, you know, you know, Monterey Bay Spice Company. They see them as a supplier. Mm-hmm. It's a very different relationship from the way that you're looking at, at your partner. They're not like someone who's just sending send you bulk goods. You know, they're someone that you are going to be communicating with on a daily, weekly basis. Um, you're talking to them on the phone. You're you're both working towards mutual goals. It's a much more, um, you know, it's a, it's a much more intimate experience between the vendor and the subscription box um, than just a vendor and a supplier.
0: So when you're looking for suppliers, how how do you recommend one finding them and reaching out to them?
1: So this totally depends on your niche. Okay. So, you know, I, I um, personally I like to source as many products as I can for my business from the Pacific Northwest. So what I love to do is I like to go into, you know, all the stores and here in Portland and, you know, check out different items and take pictures and take notes on my Evernote and, um, that type of thing. you know, I can just walk through a bunch of stores here. It's kind of just a luxury for me since there's just such a huge community of makers here. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can't do that, if you can't go into a store locally, um, you know the internet is your best friend. So I would say, kind of take it take it in kind of three. Uh, you can go into kind of like three different places. Number one, you can just use Google. That's a total pain in the butt. You know, right. it's like <laughs> through with mud. <laughs> but what I would suggest is, if you do do that, uh, definitely use Evernote because Evernote has this Web Clipper extension. Obsessed that, with
0: Evernote. Obsessed. I love. Oh my gosh,
1: it's that. so good. So their Web Clipper extension. You can leave notes on a webpage. And so when you do that web search again, it'll show your notes if you ever visit that webpage. So it'll save you a ton of time right off the, right off the top. If you're, if you're trying to, you know, to not, you know, weed through Google and you want to have a little bit more of a targeted way of product sourcing, I say find a niche e-commerce website that exists in your niche. So my example would be something like Abe's Market. It's a natural product e-commerce store. You obviously don't reach out to Abe's Market. And I'm going to say that just one more time because sometimes people will do that even after I say it. Don't reach out <laughs> to Hey, hey I want
0: your server. vendors. Can you give me your vendors? Yes. Yeah, exactly.
1: And, or can I buy the products from you? And they're like, <laughs> uh, sh- you know, sure, here's our extra 25% of cost bill. Right. Um, so you don't reach out to those people, but you use those people as, you know, directories and, you know, you, you click through and you, you look at bass pro shops and you find the best fly fishing gear at bass pro shops. And you find those manufacturers and then you Google those manufacturers and then you reach out to them individually to their website.
0: I love that uh-huh. you're saying like reverse engineer it. So like go to, if you're, if you right. want to be anthropology, if you want your fans to be anthropology people, then you go to anthropology. What are people buying at anthropology? Exactly. Or, yeah. And that's
1: kind of like what we talked about earlier, that test, if you can find an online community that exists, if you find, if you want to have a subscription box, that's all about fly fishing. And then you just found Bass Pro Shops, you know, fly fishing section. Congratulations! Your idea is validated. People are <laughs> yeah. buying these items online. You know that—that's proof um, that you have a good that you have a niche that's going to be viable online. If you don't want to use an, a niche e-commerce store, or if you're looking for other things, I mean, you've got other sources too. I mean, you could, depending on what your box is about, you could be using Etsy. Personally, I use Etsy a lot because I like to look for small businesses. Um, maybe that doesn't work as much for the fly fishing niche, <laughs> but, um, but potentially artisanally
0: but, crafted fly things yeah right yes
1: small batch flies <laughs> <laughs> um, but then you got you know you got you know uh you know alibaba if you're if you're looking for copper mugs or something like that or like chopping like wood, wood blocks if it's i don't know a, a drink subscription or something i mean there's there's like lots of other marketplaces online that you can identify um good sources of items from, and even, you know, you can even use Amazon. I was the just going to say, yeah. I, yeah,
0: because it, it, so many people use Amazon on their own to like say, is my product going to be viable? Well, now you can go see, are there products that are viable in that category?
1: Right. And also the nice thing about Amazon and and, 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 and Etsy for that matter, um, is both those places have great cultures of leaving comments. Um, whereas, you know, I look at products on like Abe's market, for example, and this might be one or two comments, you know, e-commerce stores, I think generally the, They, uh, this is an overgeneralization for sure, but they generally, they don't have as much comments and community interaction as Mm -hmm. Amazon products seem to have or as Etsy products seem to have. It it seems like, you know, um, a lot of people on those two platforms, a a good Etsy store will have hundreds of reviews. So you'll be able to go into that store and and really get some, get a good idea of that product Is actually going to be a good product that you want to include in your box. Um, so using those, um, uh, you know, local product, local stores, just using looking on Google, um, you know, niche e-commerce stores and then niche marketplaces or general marketplaces like Amazon. Those are all good places to find products.
0: And so you found these products and you're like, okay, I think that first when you're launching, how many boxes do you think that you should plan for like before launch? Like, do you think you should have an entire year planned out or just
1: like a quarter or just the first box? Oh, goodness. Uh, an entire year would be so difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Um you, you could do an entire year if um if if you so desired. I, I definitely I encourage people to think about, you know, five to six boxes of types of items. That doesn't mean you have to reach out to those suppliers. Okay. It just means build out, you know, a half dozen or so boxes and so that you so you understand you've actually got this compelling continuing product offering to people. Do so um, you mean
0: like so they would pick five to six themes that they wanted to do or like five to six um
1: Yeah. So for example, if you have like a, let's say like an outdoor subscription and you want to theme your box, then maybe you choose six different outdoor scenarios. You know, you have the hiking trip, you have the rock climbing trip, you have the whitewater rafting trip, and then you choose five or six items for each one of those boxes. And so you actually see, here's how I'd bring that theme to life. Or here's how I'd bring these next, you know, pie in the sky. If I had to choose 10 items for my next six boxes, what do those items actually look like? Maybe you actually end up with a different supplier of you know, uh, rock climbing harness, but you you basically, you plotted those things out. You kind of, um, you know, you kind of sketched out what the potential products could be in those boxes. And so you have a good idea that you can, you actually can go through this step and you can actually theme things and you can procure things. Well, I think, I think that's, that's one side of it. The other side of that, of that question, when you're actually, when you're actually launching is kind of trying to determine how many products you actually need to purchase your first month. Um, and how many boxes you need to be packing, um, from your launch. So, you know, you, you did your pre-launch, you found your, you found your vendors on, you know, these niche e-commerce stores we talked about. And then you have this period basically, um, after your, after your, your pre-launch and your, your Joy store has gone up and you're starting to accept orders that you have to kind of estimate how many sales you think you're going to get. And you have to order those products all in advance because you need time for shipping and packing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know it's a little bit of guesswork um during the early stages especially that that first month since you want to see how well your 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 email list converts and then how well you uh acquire subscribers up until your ship date
0: do you think that so if you do pre buys and people pre order do you think that there's sort of like a um you know order 25% more than that or it, it's just kind of it's hard to say
1: if you, if there's, there's, well, there's two words here. There's, we've got uh like a pre-order campaign in which mm-hmm. people would actually be checking out. And that's something that you can do through Cratejoy using their, they have a, a, a specific theme called uh, Rapido and they have a salary app they use where people can actually purchase the subscription ahead of time. Okay. I, I actually, I actually prefer the pre, the pre-launch campaign where you're just grabbing emails. Um, with the pre, pre-launch campaign, I usually see it's about 10% of your email list will convert. Okay. So if you got a thousand emails, you're probably looking at about a hundred customers. So.
0: Okay, cool. So have you noticed in your experience, um, is there about like an average number of products in a box or that just totally varies based on pro- uh, box price yep. or? Yeah,
1: it'll totally vary. You know, think about the expectations you're setting up with your customers and then, okay. you know, follow those expectations. I think that, um, it doesn't really matter as long as it's, um, you know, as long as it as long as it makes sense to the product offering. I mean, there are people who have you know boxes with two or three items in it. You know, it's just a soap bar, a face scrub, and something else. And um, it's this little tiny mini pamper pack, and it's only fourteen dollars. You know, for my box, it's forty four dollars a month. And so, you know, you know, like I'm putting a couple <laughs> thick items in there for people who want to spend forty four bucks a month. And so, I usually do six to eight, sometimes even nine and ten items. Um. So there's no real right answer for that. It really think, just really think about, you know, what's my product offering to, to customers? What, what are my value propositions to my subscribers? If they're going to be discovering things, you know, you want to give them a couple of cool things to look at because one of the things that you can always run into is if you only have one or two items and, you know, one of those items is a big ticket item. It's kind of like we're, that, that one item holds all the value. If your customers don't like that one item, then the, the, other, the, the value doesn't really add up. So okay. I, I encourage people having more items than, than fewer items because it gives, ch- gives your subscribers a better chance to like more things in your box.
0: Well, and also, I think maybe on the flip side of that, thinking that can you keep sourcing 10 new products every month is a, a big thing to also keep in consideration. You know, like, okay, if you think that maybe 10 products each month is a little too much and you want to source two or three products what kind of value of two or three products can you get into a box that's going to make it, does that make sense? Like that's going to make it um, a a valuable box for your customer. Yeah, no,
1: no, that does make sense. I mean, both, both in terms of, um, if you, if you shoot too high and you say 10, you know, you know, I'm going to put 15 items in my box every single month. I mean, that could very quickly become a, a lot of work to find those 15 vendors. Um, and then also, um, you know, with the, with the items that have maybe, you know, smaller value, um, you know, I think that it can be. I think it can be tricky, especially with value propositions for for customers um, to have a bunch of really low value items. I think there's. I think there's this nice balance where there's got to be one or two bigger value items, mm-hmm. and then a couple of other things. Um, like I said, there's there's no specific right answer for it, but you know, really put yourself in your own subscribers position, I mean, ideally you're starting a subscription business around products that you personally love, you know, what would you want to spend X dollars for? What would you expect to get that, you know, in the mail?
0: We're getting close here. So I'm going to ask, um, two really quick questions. Well, okay. I think they're really quick, but they are probably be, they're, they're probably much more complicated than I think. Well, three questions. First question is, um, how do you reach out to vendors? What is, what is your secret sauce for getting vendors to say yes?
1: I'll give you the short I'll give you the short version of it. <laughs> so um I I find that cold emailing is actually works really well. Um you know a lot of the people I reach out to um are here, you know, local in Pacific Northwest, so it's easy as me saying, hey, I have a subscription box and we curate awesome Pacific Northwest products for hundreds of people across the country. Do you want to talk more? Um and so I have a really short email, you know, it's two or three sentences, and then I usually hop on the phone with them after that. Uh, mainly because I like for them to hear how excited I am about their, the opportunity for them to be in my box. Um, so I really like to talk to people on the phone. But my secret sauce is really to send a short, short email that maybe has an attached PDF that has more information about my business.
0: With regards to product packaging, we talked earlier about getting custom product packaging. What is uh, what is your, your tips on how to get... Because I'm sure that people aren't, you know, nobody's sourcing from China or anything like that. Like nobody has those kind of outlets. Does Cratejoy handle that or
1: what no, are suggestions? Yeah. It's important to, to realize that Cratejoy is just a platform. Okay. Um. So what I would suggest, if you're looking for more information about how to um, source for custom packaging, head over to the website that I manage for Cratejoy, subscriptionschool.com. And in the resources section, I've got about 15 different um, custom packaging um, oh, experts and, and people that have that, that have all been used by our merchants and been rated high. And so personally, I use a local company and they do both my custom packaging and my fulfillment. So they actually create my corrugated box and they also pack it for me and then mail it out for me. So you want to find a custom packaging person who's going to give you a good rate. Um, you know, it really depends on the type of box, the size of the box, but generally, you, know, you should assume that you're spending somewhere between $1 and $2 for a custom box if you're ordering at least a 1,000 or 2,000 at a time.
0: Okay, great, and we'll, I'll link to that in the show notes too so people can just click right to that. Perfect. Uh, so I would imagine that a big part of having a subscription box and keeping it a sustainable subscription box is to get feedback, right? To get feedback from your clients and from feedback from your vendors. How do you usually handle getting feedback?
1: This is great. that's a great question it's also um it's really cool because at Cratejoy we just started building this in so it'd be really easy for you to survey your customers oh, awesome. so so now using Cratejoy you can you know send out surveys to your customers each month get product feedback to see what items they like which items they didn't like um and you can you know kind of you know customize your curation going forward um with on the on the other side with the vendors um, it's all about just maintaining that open line of communication. You know, I personally always make a point to follow up with every single one of our vendors after the campaigns have ended each month and said, "Hey, here's a, you know a handful of pictures, here's a handful of Instagram posts, YouTube videos, check these out. You know, what do you think about this? Um, is there anything else that we can do?" Um, P.S. I was just looking at this other product of yours and it looked great for our Xbox. Oh, I, like you know? I love that. I love that. About so, how long
0: so, do you wait till to uh, request feedback from both the customers and the vendors?
1: You know, I think it's important to wait at least a couple weeks. I mean, you know, you ship, it might take three or four days to ship. And then I like to give people at least a week or two before um, you you pull them just because a lot of people maybe haven't opened the box or gotten through everything yet. If you have a smaller box that that has like single use items, maybe you can do that much quicker um, because you're not waiting for somebody to use, you know, work through their full size item. So, you know, kind of think about realistically how long it would take your customers to actually go through the products.
0: Excellent. I love that. So... I think that that – oh, actually, along that, are there any specific things that people should ask in the feedback? Like, I know, like, did you like this product? Did you not like this product? But is there anything else, like, what did you think about the box? Or do you find this to be a good value?
1: Or is there – what are, like, some sort of secret questions that people should some ask? Part, right. Um, uh I think that – First off, gathering NPS data from from your customers is always kind of a good top level survey question. So NPS is Net Promoter Score. Net Promoter Score. So it's you know zero through ten. How likely would you be to you know refer this or give this box to a friend or colleague? And you want to be getting people that rate that you know eight or higher. And if it's you know eight or higher, then they're not promoting your box, and you want to figure out what you went wrong with that box. Other than that, I think some some kind of key feedback points for subscription boxes um, is going to be you know, obviously, you know, what did you think of this item? I think mean, that's kind of, you know, did you like it or did you not like it? Um, give them, give your uh, subscribers the opportunity to leave a short answer. Um, you can get a lot of really good qualitative feedback from people by just saying, Hey, any other thoughts you want to share with us? Um, you know, besides that, I, I think that asking them about how the, how the package arrived and packaging quality was, you know, how did it look when you, what was like the unboxing experience? That's kind of what we call it. What, is, oh, what yeah. was the unboxing experience like? Because if you're consistently getting, you know, poor ratings and or customer complaints and you kind of trying to figure out why, maybe it's because the way you're packing your boxes isn't tight enough. And so all your items are getting jumbled around and, you know, people open the box and it's like this, you know, garbled pile of mess. Right. Um, so try to, try to, you know, c- curate your questions to customers, um, you know, based on what you think is going to be most important to them. So do they like the items? How is the unboxing experience? You know, would they refer this box to them, their friend or colleague? Um, And if you have anything special too, like occasionally, like let's say you want to do like a private labeled item, you know, maybe you throw in an extra question um, for, you know, one month, what's your favorite scent? And then next month you release this new item that has a special scent in it. Um, So think about, you know, using your survey, not only to gather, uh, you know, reactive data from your customers, but it can also be a good source of getting, um, you know, data that can inform future product purchasing or future uh, product creation if you're making your own products.
0: Now, I see a couple of subscription boxes offer the thing to where, um, you know, you can try it in the subscription box and you can buy the full size on their website. Do you find that that is um, something that people should do or is that too complicated? Is that something that they should grow with? Uh, would like, do you I- find it better to just wholesale thing, like wholesale the full sale thing and then sell it on your website or just direct them to the the
1: vendor's website? Um, so personally right now I direct people to the vendors website, but that's mainly because my current business is just a site. It's just a hobby project. It's it's just a passion project for me. And you know, I've got a full time job now in the greater scheme of things for all of the serious entrepreneurs that are listening. The, the, uh, subscription to e-commerce funnel is the, is the next logical step of this customer journey. You want to be pushing people to your own e-commerce store to make these purchases and to have this as a recurring, um, you know, build, build recurring purchases at full size, single one-off e-commerce purchases. Build that into your, into your plan because you want to capture that customer's life cycle forever. You know, that's, that's the goal is to capture that customer for as long as possible. So you'd be setting up dropshipping, drop shipping agreements with, you know, your, your partners each month and you'd be building up this catalog of products. That's a big project, though. It's right. something that we, I spent a lot of time on at Conscious Box. We built a whole marketplace. We had hundreds of SKUs. Um, it's a big project and it's not something that you have to focus on right away. But by doing that, you're going to get two things. Number one, you're going to capture more revenue and then number two, you're going to have cleaner data because you're going to be able to see specifically how many conversions came from your subscribers in your marketplace. It's gonna be much easier to, to find that out and then prove ROI to your suppliers than hoping that the people click through your email, and then use your coupon to track that purchase on the Etsy store, for example. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that, you know, if you think of a business as sort of like an octopus, and you want all these different tentacles because you want all of these different sources of income. And so having just a subscription box, it's a double-edged sword. Like if you have the subscription box and the marketplace all under the same hub, you can draw in a crowd that you know, already buys this product and they'll try your subscription box or mm-hmm. vice versa. Do you know what I mean? Right.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, to, to give you some examples, if people want to check this out as a little bit of research, um, go research how, how much revenue is coming from Birch boxes Oh, absolutely. Commerce store versus, I mean, their subscription box is almost like a loss leader. You know, they, they get people to try the box and the box is only like nine bucks or something like that. They're not making huge margins on it, but everybody that's getting that is, are, are rating the items they're getting points through their ratings and then they're using those points for discounts in Birchbox's store. And that's the ecosystem that, um, is really powerful to create because then you get people that you become their shopping destination, um, which is a lot more compelling than just becoming their subscription box.
0: I love, and especially, I mean, Birchbox has their own brick and mortar store now and yes, it's crazy. I I know I worked with them before and it was just like, it was absolutely bananas working with them. And, in a good way. I mean, like that definitely boosted my presence, but it was just like, oh my God. <laughs> yes. Lots of lots of time listening to podcasts while making stuff. Um, yeah. Yep. Jesse, where can people find you online?
1: Uh, people can find me online at com, And that's Jesse without an I, just J-E-S-S-E, richardson.com. That's my personal blog. I spent a lot of time on subscription school working with Crayjoy, um, but... Uh, they can they can find me on there, or of course, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, Instagram, that type of thing.
0: Excellent, and we we'll have a link to all of those in the show notes. Thank you so much. This has been so Thank incredibly you, information. Awesome.
1: All right. Well, good luck to everybody who's starting those businesses, and uh, come check us out at Subscriptions. But we're happy to help you out. Awesome. Thanks, Jesse. See you later.
0: Isn't he the best? Like the best. He was so fun to talk to. I had a blast, and I hope he did too. But I know that I've just put another thing in your brain to do, but it was so good. And I hope that if you do want to do a subscription box, you look at Cratejoy because it will definitely help you out. But let me know. Let me know. First, like I said, get on the mailing list. You can go to com. You can sign up for 30-day challenge. You can sign up for uh, to get one of my workbooks. Whatever you're into, it will put you on the list, and I'll know that you're there. And you'll get first dibs on the membership mastermind. But check out Jesse, check out Cratejoy. and tweet me at MeganPlusCoffee. Coffee and let me know if you're into subscription boxes. Let me know what your favorite ones are, actually. I'll tell you my favorites. My favorite was Birchbox. But my friend Daniel, who was my product photographer for a long time, always been mad dot com. He gets loot crate every month and Like, he sends me pictures. He sends, you know, he puts them on Facebook, and it's just the coolest stuff. So I think I might want to get in on that, too. Oh, I also do Dollar Shave Club. But, yeah, I love subscription boxes. It's such a good model, and it's such a great way to supplement a business. So check them out. Tweet me at MeganPlusCoffee. But in the meantime, I'll talk to you next week. Toodaloo!